0: Good afternoon. It's Tuesday at 5 o'clock, um, and this is what comes next live. This week, we probably have Schrodinger's audience. They're either there or not if we don't look at the live stats, because the England football match kicks off at this moment, and those who don't like football are probably watching Wimbledon. Um, it's with great pleasure and privilege that I'm joined today by Fiona Buckland, who would rather be watching, um, not quite the right language, but would, if she was not here, she'd be sitting watching Wimbledon. Um, And she's making me feel very, very home, the Cayman part of me, because it very much looks like a Caribbean beach scene behind her. Excellent. Um, And we won't talk about the weather. That would be far too British. So Fiona is a leadership uh, coach and author. And we met uh, a few months ago, I think just before your book was being published. I'm sure that's been a whirlwind. So um, as always, I just give a tiny introduction. And I'd love you just to talk a little bit about yourself and we're just here to talk about what comes next and whatever's, what's happening right now and whatever's on your mind.
1: Great. Thank you. Um, And thank you very much for inviting me on this um, massive sporting occasion. (laughs) Um, So who I am, I'm a leadership coach and facilitator. Um, I work with individuals and I work with organizations, communities, Um, Thinking about what leadership is. And I come from the place that we need good leaders. That's the kind of big vision. Um, What do I mean by good leaders? I mean, thoughtful leaders. I mean, people who are actually paying as much attention to the act, the craft, the doing and the being of leadership as much as they are um, the task list that they've got to get through. Um, uh What makes a good leader then is somebody who takes responsibility for their world. Um, Because of that, I've got a real mission that we all need to step up to leadership. There's something in there also about self-leadership and emotional maturity growing up. Um, Because no one's going to come and fix this all for us. No one's going to come and make it all right. We've all got our part to play, even if we don't get the rewards and we don't get the accolades. And that's a lot also about being able to lead those scarcity, stress-led, negative stress-led um, tendencies and patterns that we all have.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: if you like, the work I do is a kind of deep dive, mm-hmm. but also with purpose, which I know is a lot of the work that you do, mm-hmm. um, and vision as well. Asking all the time, what's the benefit that I bring to the world? And how do I pay attention to this act of leadership? And to the impact that I can have and making sure it's the impact that I want to have, not just now, but going forward as well in the future for people that I might never even meet for generations going forward. Mm-hmm. So that sounds very grand, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm just listening to myself and going. But, but what it is when people think about leadership, I, I bring that in deliberately because when people I don't know if you find this, when you talk sometimes to people about things like purpose and leadership. Hmm. It it can sound very lofty and very grand very quickly. Mm-hmm. And so people can disconnect a little bit and say, well, that's not me, that's that's somebody else. I don't I do a lot of work on things like imposter syndrome and inner critic and mm-hmm. and things like that. That's not quite me. Or well that sounds like, you know, um it sounds like a lot of work, or I'm not really into that. Um uh so I also work to kind of interface with people where they are to meet them where they are, to think about the challenges that they have and to, if you like, give them that thinking space for us to work together to make um, uh, to bring that act of um, deliberation into their leadership or also to make them realise that they are able to step into leadership. Um, today was my first day back in an office. I'm in London today and I was invited in to a um, an agency um, who've got two people there who they think have got real potential for leadership. Mm-hmm. So what does this look like? I actually sat in with them, did a day with them, really going through some of the things, like from self-leadership to leadership in the world. That will really help them. Mm-hmm. But it's not about being the smartest person in the room. Mm-hmm. It's not about knowing everything. It's not about being perfect. What it is, is this and how do you grow your authentic um uh the the best of you Mm -hmm. and develop what needs to be developed so that you can be a great leader so that's an example of the kind of work that i do and the kind of um the kind of way that it 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 has to matter in the world as well Hmm. um you know bringing people up i love doing that again bringing people up people up Mm -hmm. There's there's that lovely saying isn't it you know um I can't remember if it's James McGregor Burns who says, leaders don't create followers, they create leaders. Hmm. Yep.
0: Yeah. I'm just writing that down.
1: It's cool. Is that a good sign? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So, I mean, as you'd imagine, we're in fierce agreement on all of this. Um, so, yeah. Um, just before we came online I was um, referencing a conversation I just had with a friend about the work of a guy called Wilfred Bion who used to bring people into a room and say nothing at all Um, and I talked to him about these live conversations I have and sometimes I say nothing at all and other times I interject Um, and I'm kind of in between two places here I'm kind of like um, what I don't want to do is get into my own thoughts, um, but I'm interested in just work in, in going further into. I'd like to learn more from you about, you know, um, I think what I'd like to. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm working my thoughts out. I, what I really like to learn more about, if I'm being quite selfish about it, is your the piece you talked about how it can sound quite grand. Mm. I tend to say to people, purpose doesn't mean we're all Mother Teresa. You know, I, I ran out to one, one little reference that I ran tourism and hospitality businesses for years and I ran them in a purpose like way. And I said, look, our purpose can feel not grand. It's simply to create moments for people and those can change their lives in that moment. Um, so Why are we getting up? in the Yeah. And and. What suddenly comes to me is in about nine years ago, I was asked by a client who was running a national nursing conference in the Cayman Islands to give a talk to the nurses on leadership. So I had so much fun. I put hours and hours and hours into preparing this because I got so into it. But I remember it wasn't the content and all the famous people's speeches and clips I did on the presentation. It was just looking into the eyes of some of the nurses in there and saying, you are all the leaders in your hospitals, right? Um, and you operate in an environment where you're looked on as being subservient to the doctors. Yes. And I just want you to tell you um, when my, and I get a personal story about a family matter and how a nurse in that hospital that most of them worked in had made all the difference in the world. And so we can all be... Um, Everyday leaders, we can. And so I think that the piece around self-leadership is huge. And you and I both work with with leaders in in business and I'm recognizing my own bias is that I often write as if people have people who do follow. them. And my my piece is is slightly less evolved than the one you quoted, which is a leader is someone others choose to follow. And that comes down to how people show up. Yes, it's it's not about their technical skills. It's certainly not about the management task list. No. It's about it's about being, not doing. Um, so I, I guess you've you've written a book, so you've gone into a lot of in a lot of detail. So the, I guess the, the piece I'm interested in is the is the leads the self leadership and 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 self awareness piece. And having deep dive yourself into a book. Of course, the other bit I'd be interested in is what's your sense of purpose and what gets you out of bed in the morning. <laughs> because <laughs> that, that informs how you show up in the
1: room <laughs> the need for a cup of tea gets me up in the morning it's very purposeful um, so I, I love where where you land in this as well and I love the story about nurses my mum was a nurse and you know it, you're so right there was a pecking order and I think it's only just starting to be recognised that you know um, and to bring up the status of nurses and there's a lot of sexism around that in my mum's day as well yeah. right um uh, You know, my mum always used to say, I came out from doing a workshop once. Um, She said, what have you done this afternoon? What 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 were you doing? I said, I led a workshop on entrepreneurial thinking. And she reminded me, she said, when I was young, the only options were nurse, teacher, or, I forgot my secretary. That mm. was it, the three options, you know. But even in all of these spaces, the idea of leadership is incredibly important because it's about having, it's about the impact you make. Because the other side of that is, is believing that somehow none of us make impact. Mm-hmm. And there's a kind of freedom in that. But there's also a nihilism in that. Well, it mm-hmm. doesn't matter anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And
1: it was, it, it, I was relating a story to one of these um people that I was working with today. And um it was a story that I tell about, um I used to, I was a teaching fellow at, New York University when I was doing my PhD back when I was in my 20s and towards the end of my five years there, I'm walking down the street and this woman runs up to me and she says oh my goodness you won't remember me but I was in your first class ever hmm. um, that you taught five years ago and I was like oh remembered her like hi and she goes, I'm fantastic I'm here with my parents so I introduce you to them mm-hmm. and I said go on then and um, she said this is the one that I was telling you about because she was going to quit. She had a really bad first semester. Hmm. And then I, um, you know, I noticed that she wasn't looking so great. Um, and I suggested we were supposed to have one on one conferences. Mm-hmm. But I suggested that, you know, tell you what, why don't we get out of here and go and have a coffee around the corner or something? Because she was tearing up. And that was it. Just a bit of let's treat you like a human being and talk about other stuff or have a little walk and go for a coffee. That moment of humanity Mm -hmm. made the difference for her. Made her stay in college, you know, because she realised that actually she could go to people, she could talk to people. It allowed her to open up. It was just a moment of kindness when she was feeling in that particular way. So we never know, Mm -hmm. and and leaders don't. If if there's there's something about the motivation for leadership as well, like that's to do with purpose. Mm -hmm. Certainly in business, there are potentially massive financial wins. And yet every CEO I know will say, if only people knew what my job was, doesn't matter how much I earn, they probably wouldn't want to do it. No. And every founder I know says, if people were willing to take the risk that I took, then they're welcome to the rewards because I'm, you know, I'm, I can be exhausted by this and terrified, you know? Um, so the question of what, what was the question you're going back to? Self leadership. I love what you were saying about the being and the doing, because it is all about how you show up. And when I work with people on values, I say, look, it doesn't matter what your values are, but there is one that you've got to have in leadership, which is integrity. It is that being able to walk that talk because you're creating this um, currency of trust, which is essential. You know, even if you're going to have followers, no one's going to follow you if they don't trust you. right? right? They don't believe in your integrity, in your in your heartfulness. Mm-hmm. And I think another thing that some leaders have got a little bit freaked out about is this idea of authenticity and vulnerability. Mm-hmm. As if somehow we were expecting people to kind of, you know, burst into tears and, um, or, or fake, like you were really kind and caring person or being authentic. What if you're an authentic, um, uh, 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 what, if you, what if you're an authentic dick? You know? <laughs> How should you behave then? Um, but the thing is, 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 The self-leadership piece is about being self-aware of your strengths, values, sense of purpose, um, vulnerabilities, your edges. You know, where are the, where are the places where it's going to get edgy for you? Um, it's so fresh in my mind today working with people because we were working in something called, um, the four leadership energies. Mm -hmm. Fire, air, earth, water. And I mapped out on the floor and I got them to walk around and I said, where are your edges? Hmm. And some people were going, ooh, fire. Fire is very direct to energy. Like, this has got to be done. There's the boundary. There's the goal. Yes, no. Very directive. Water is very collaborative. You know, let's sit and talk about it, empathize, who can partner with. Air is very visionary. Hmm. And earth is very organized. Like, what's the policy and the procedure and, you know. And as I got people to walk around, I got them to feel their edges not sitting there working them out with their heads in notice, yeah. but actually move, mapping it around in a kind of constellation geography. You mm-hmm. know, When people do that, it, it serves a few purposes. Not only are they getting that into their kind of, oh, I'm not in fire, I get all kinds of weird edgy, worried about being aggressive, mm-hmm. um, worried about upsetting people, um, I hate people who get like this as well, but also they're getting the information um, somatically. Yeah through their bodies. And that's part of what the being is and the self-awareness is, mm. is that we've treated our bodies as if they're brain taxis, right? Taking us from meeting to meeting, or rather taking us to the fridge and back to Zoom for the last 15 months, right? <laughs> but what we've got is this huge resource that we can tap into. Mm-hmm. Um it's an extension, if you like, of the kind of triple brain idea that leaders love for a while, which is you have you have head, you have heart, you have gut. But really tapping into that. OK, where are my edges here? Where can I grow? Is this edge an edge of I want to get out of here or is it an edge? How how can I play with it so mm. that I can stay with the discomfort um of um of not knowing or knowing that I can, you know, um I, I had someone today go, gosh, you know, I, I really know that I'm not very earth. I really know I'm not very good with the details. Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, but can you stay with that? So you can either say to somebody, you know what, I know I'm not good on the details. I need you to work with me. Be my conciliary Mm -hmm. so that, you know, I don't miss this stuff. I'm not going to pretend that I'm any good at this stuff. Or what can you do to bring yourself up a little bit? Mm-hmm. Or to check that you're not in a story around this. Right. So that self-awareness is not just that cognitive, intellectual self-awareness. Mm-hmm. The best leaders that I have seen, I don't know about you, Tom, I, I'd love to hear this, are people who really have a sense of the effect of their presence, right? shrouding his audience, as he said. The effect of their presence, but also the effect of their um, their power to set the room temperature with mm. just their being. If they're calm, everyone's calm. If they're edgy, everyone's edgy, right? Because yeah. you're a leader. You're going to is a, is a, is a contagion, by right? your emotions. But also how you can use that to lean out and, and empower people. Mm-hmm. You know, you were saying about not saying very much. The best leadership piece I ever thought, saw was on, um, I think it was on the South Bank. And the leader of all the departments was sitting there. And, of course, all questions were coming to her. And she just would ping them off. So, Suda, what do you think about that one? You're the expert on this. Oh, well, that's a really good point. You know, why don't you take that and run with it and come back next meeting and tell us about it? You know, and that was it. There was no I know and I'm going to pontificate about this or I'm going to. That was leadership. Beautifully done. She probably said um, 50 words, to, maybe to 200 words in the entire meeting. And it was all out to other people and encouraging them to talk to each other from being the kind of hub in the center of the wheel.
0: So, yeah, link, so what do I think? So we definitely overdo the thinking. Yes. Um, it's the form of education we've had for hundreds of years since the Industrial Revolution. Um, and we massively underdo um, tapping into energy. And, and people think, oh, it's all woo woo, but actually I love it when you're talking about doing a, a, an exercise on the floor that's somatic, that's centered in the body, because really that bypasses the brain. So the, I like the language of the brain taxi. That's very cool. I'll give you an example. Um, I was retained by the chief executive of a global firm a number of years ago and they were at a pit very privately and they were at a pivot point as to what they were going to do next Um, and I remember and I was pretty experienced at this point but I remember sitting with them one to one and getting really stuck like I had absolutely no idea what to do or say next Um, and this was a tiny um, delicate looking woman right? who with the planet sized intellect, which through which they built their career, all about thinking. But there was just this presence they had that I couldn't deal with. So I had a mentor that I brought in to the room, right, who was 50 years experienced in coaching. And had done all kinds of learning i mean i find that people who who are in the practice of coaching because it's never mastery but attain some level of mastery are relentlessly learning the whole time and that drives you into draws you into weird and wonderful spaces like shamanic rituals and all kinds of stuff like this he would do and he sat with that client and i said uh speaking of presence in the room and I said, would you guys be okay if I'm in the room? I'll sit very quietly. And I'm six foot three and 100 kilos. And I sat in the tiniest corner, making myself really small, pretending to write notes, looking away from them so that my energy wasn't present to them. My mentor sits across from the client and um, faces them and says, in about five minutes, says, you need to dial down your energy. I my body is heating up. Bye. All right. And and they, you, I could feel them dialing it back. Their level of presence, their level of and it was it was nothing to do with the brain. And then what in the next and then they had a very powerful session, but it only lasted 20 minutes because they were both completely cooked and they were booked in for two hours. When I next spoke to my client, they told a story which links back to, in terms of imposter syndrome, one of my favorite books is by Gay Hendricks. It's called The Big Leap. And they talk about something called the upper limit problem.
1: Yeah.
0: And what had happened with this individual is that they had had such a presence at such a young age, such an ability to read situations, to know what to do with their energy, to dial up, to turn it down. And at such a young age that they'd actually utilize that to be tremendously successful in certain fields, even at school. They then got national recognition for this. And one of the four potential areas in the upper limit problem is the fear of outshining. Which is really in opposition to the imposter syndrome but it's just so brilliant that everybody else gets nihilistic like it doesn't matter i can't possibly compete with this family member Mm -hmm. so for the next i don't know 35 years they'd switched that part of themselves off because they were so world-class that their brain could do everything they then chose to turn it back on when they hired me as a coach and i couldn't cope initially bring my mentor in they couldn't cope initially and then it was almost like um, Cyclops in the X-Men. When they took the glasses off, it just phew, couldn't control the power. Yeah. They started to become aware. So I'm giving you a really extreme example. And they started mm-hmm. to become really aware of what this could do. And this is going to sound incredibly weird, but within a few months, and they had a business all over the world, and the role of the leader is not to do, it's to be. And their presence... Um, in any of the offices around the world, it's going to be very powerful. So they said, I've got two stories to tell you. One is that I realized there was a project I wanted to, the business to move forward with, and I, ne- I knew the three people I needed to be on it. I hadn't spoken to any of them around the world for six months. Once I thought of that, within half an hour, one of them phoned me out of the blue, and the other two emailed me. And the second story is, I woke up this morning and said, I know I need to go to our office in such and such a city in such and such a continent. So, so I've booked on a plane. And I only worked with them for about a couple of years, right? which is about roughly the norm for me. Um, but they continued over that period of time. That's what they did. They just looked at their calendar and they went, where do I need to go next? Mm-hmm. And they literally just tuned in. So it's a fairly extreme example. And they still... As far as I know, they're still the chief executive of, of, of that organisation, which is incredibly thriving, um, and is in an industry which is all in its head.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's so I, I, you know, what you're saying there about the, the, the being and the, the charismatic presence of this person. Mm. There's so much. I don't know what you think about leaders going into therapy. You know, okay. it's an it's a rich conversation that, because they'll always be. I I've met. I mean, there's two things. There are leaders who get their energy from sometimes from a woundedness. You know, it's like they want to prove themselves or whatever it might be, or or outdo their dad who was you know paying yeah. the buck, or whatever it was. Um, but there's also something about the shadow of leadership. It's like, I can't be this. And it might be something from childhood or, or a family relation. Um, it might be a message that you receive. It might be the other thing about the kind of, um, the upper limit thing is, is the fear of success and what that means in terms of separating yeah. yes. from, and, and losing that sense of belonging. Yeah. You know, yeah. So there's, there's quite often, I mean, it's such a, a, a rich, deep area. And often, when people think about you know um leaders with shadows mm-hmm. you know um, that are unexplored and kind of projecting all over the world yeah. um we become very aware then of of that extraordinary saying that I always remember you know a leader has to be intensely aware of the inner interplay of light and shadow lest they do more harm than good mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that, that might be McGregor Burns again um. Something that goes with me at a certain ages is, is names, but I can look that up and, and, and check it later if it's different. But I, there's I, something about being sorry to There's something about being really aware of that. How deep do you go? How self-reflective can you be and still stay in action?
0: It, it's a really good question. I think it will be, from my experience only, it will be unique to the individual. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I guess, a key word for me is leaders come to work with me when they're feeling brave. Now, unbravery is a spectrum, right? And part of it is going to be bringing that awareness forward. And also, uh, uh, it would appear, I would strongly believe that both you and I are of the type of leadership coach where those conversations can happen with people because they feel safe and they're in a space of trust. And we'll be very aware of the line that, of making sure, first of all, it's not never our agenda. It's always what do they want, that we're, never in, judge- like, we're never in yeah. judgment. We're simply present to them. Exactly. And also a very clear line between coaching and therapy. Oh, yes, um, absolutely. So, yeah, I, so I, my only answer is from my experience, which is that having the bravery to know yourself a little deeper, mm. Um, and to be non-judgmental with self. Right? Somebody was asking me the other day, what's the difference in working with a smaller firm and a larger larger business? I go, well, the zeros are more, but you know what they both have in common? Business is simple. People are complex. You can solve most business problems. You know how to build a space shuttle. It's complicated, right? but ultimately simple. It's dedu- You can reduce it. Right. You cannot solve for humans. And I don't care whether I'm working with somebody in a multi-billion dollar company or in a startup. Right? We're all humans. And the CEO has the loneliest job in the world, as you've inferred earlier. So the more you know that's one of the foundations of modern philosophy is Greek, right? It's know thyself. All right. So um and actually if I was to swing the pendulum in any direction, there is far too much bias for action in leaders. The only job of a CEO is to keep the vision for the company and, and, and actually support and guide, not necessarily guide, but just but support the energy in the business. Just like yeah. the example you gave of the person who's in their particular way they did that was to not deflect the questions, but empower others to answer the questions while remaining confident. And one of my past guests is my friend, Chip Conley. And he coined a phrase a number of years ago, that the best leaders are vulnerable visionaries. Mm. Um, but, yeah. but, and he used an American political example, not Jimmy Carter, because he was never confident. Mm. Right? So he wasn't confident of his path or his vision. Wonderful human being, but not a leader that actually took anybody with him. Mm. Um, Whereas Ronald Reagan, in his own way, was vulnerable and confident. Um, Somebody who goes, I have no idea how we're going to get there, but I'm absolutely certain we're going to get there. Those are words and it's all in how they show up when they say them.
1: Yes. It is. Um, what, What resonates, really resonates, I love what you're saying, is, is. You know, I guess it really got me going around the point when we're talking about people, you know, and people being the amount of leaders who say to me, if everyone could just be like me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, we get to see the back of the TV set. We get to have those taken off and we get to have those conversations. But people are not the issue, but they are they are the energy and they're complicated. Mm -hmm. And understanding yourself more as a human. Might help you mm-hmm. to connect more with the humanity of the people around you so that you can treat them not as objects mm-hmm. but as people um, because people know that and they feel that it, it, it's, a, it''s a good exem- exemplary of this at the beginning of the pandemic we um, you, you needed different leaders at different moments yeah. different. It wasn't just one kind of leader, I think. At the beginning of the pandemic, there was lots of, oh, this kind of leader's been wonderful. But I remember Ang- Angela Merkel, who's not, you know, the warm, cuddly, you know, um, uh, she's the German housewife, they, as they call her. But she did this good speech in which she said, you know, look, I grew up in eastern Germany. The last thing I want to do is take away anyone's freedom because of my experience. But you know what? Like, we're, we're all vulnerable together. Mm -hmm. And we can only do this together. We all rely on each other, you know, and I know how hard it is. And I'm so, so sorry. Mm -hmm. And so what was expressed there was a sense of kind of empathy. And also the, the you know, is it the Stocksdale paradox that we we will get through this? But, man, let's not forget, it's going to be really, really hard. Mm -hmm. And that was just the right level of leadership before that beginning when everyone's in a kind of shock and being put into lockdown. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and well,
1: that recognizes how people must be feeling about them.
0: I feel that, and I've felt this for a long time, that this century, and it's taking a while to kick in, is a century of feminine leadership. And by that, I don't mean male or female but what you just described is an exemplar of feminine leadership, it's uh, understanding of energy, it's awareness, it's empathic, it's feminine energy. It's, um, Did
1: you read the Athena Doctrine yet? No. I'll write the
0: that down the, the
1: Athena Doctrine is, um, uh, I've forgotten who wrote it, but it's, but it's um, a couple of um, psychologists, I think, who've, Done all the research on it. You know, if you like, people who've done the data and done the studies and they did this big cross-cultural piece, um, interviewing thousands and thousands of people and they did a list of what are the traits that you want your leaders to have? Mm -hmm. And then they, they, and then they also asked them, um, of the, you know, these traits, how would you, are they, are they kind of masculine or feminine traits? Not to do with men or women, but masculine or feminine. Because just traits are like that, exactly as you're alluding to. And what came at the top was, loyalty and compassion and empathy and understanding and humanity mm-hmm. and you know being able to own up to mistakes and all of this. Um yep. <clears throat> uh sitting and talking and listening. The mm-hmm. things like um uh uh wits, brains, um devil may care, fearlessness, um, things that were called more masculine. Yeah and I'm doing the scary quotes around that, were, were ones that were less important. And if this was cross-cultural. It was, it was an amazing thing to see. And, so, and there is something in that. There's no doubt about it.
0: Totally. I mean, and the, you know, AI is developed by engineers, um, and therefore it will take over many jobs and big data and stuff. However, it will mostly take over the ones that are based upon the masculine energy-driven field we're in. I'm a, one of my projects this summer, I was about to, I'm going to set up a series of interviews, um, with another past guest on the show, uh, Rosie Von Leela from New York, who, um, <clears throat> and it's going to be about feminine and masculine energy in leadership. And she has done work in the last couple of years with an amazing lady called Rianne Eisler, who wrote a book called The Chalice and the Blade. And, yeah. and, and none of this is, uh, and, the thing is, it all feels new uh, to me, to us to society, right? but it 's ancient wisdom it 's totally ancient, and so it is fascinating when you look at Angela Merkel and the fact that she presents in a way that is almost subversive she's stuck around so long is because she shows up hard assed the way she dresses and stuff like this and the fa- and just her demeanor as that but she is uber good with energy and awareness and empathy and then you just describe that um so it's you know in terms of it being the competitive and getting things done you know that's that's that balance you talked about Uh, the two things i'm taking out of this is that a really good question for people to ask themselves is how much um self-work to do without being able to you know without losing yourself and being able to um take action and, and, and get results because, for example, people in commercial spaces have to do that. And the other one is your your exercise. And I've, I've done a similar one with an amazing facilitator called Julie Driver, um, it, it, where we took a whole bunch of experienced coaches and facilities, and we just did work with her for a couple of days. Um, just fantastic. She called it a shindig, um, big, very Scottish. And we did a similar piece of floor work. And I just remember using Senninger's model of comfort zone, stretch zone, panic zone, which she laid out on the floor, and we were somatically finding our edges. And I just remember my experience was that I have a really big comfort zone, right? Um, and because it's so, moves so far out, right? That my stretch zone's quite small. So I can jump into that. I can quite easily leap ahead into panic and come back. And that was just, that was a few years ago. Oh, and that was really interesting to me. And everybody had different experiences and. I think all of us at different levels got pretty emotional. There were tears and I guess uh, we could talk all day. I realize I've gone over time, but what I did, de- a dear friend of mine, um, uh, and another past guest on the show, this year, the 51st or 52nd guest is a lady called Kay Scorer from London. And, um, she was on Twitter the other day just saying, um, uh, you know, basically somebody's used the line. It's enough to make a grown man cry. And she got really angry because it's so misogynistic and she went, actually um i'd like i love seeing grown men cry because it means they're expressing their emotions right now if they're in a if they're in a victim space that's not that helpful but if they're actually expressing journey journey and emotion um you know that's different so yeah and back to the sort of the energies anyway it's it's um i could go on for hours and um, we've stepped over the time for our schrodinger's audience um and it's been an absolute pleasure and um (laughs) We'll, we'll have to make a date to meet in person now that we're out of Zoom world. Come I to, would love come that. Down to the coast and see you at some point. Um, meanwhile, um, just remind us of the name, um, the name of your book, so that people. So can- the
1: book is called Thoughtful Leadership. Yeah. it's a guide to leading with mind, body, and soul. Mm. It's out by Leaping Hair Press, and you can pretty much find it anywhere. So they tell me, which is great. So it's online. It's at Amazon and booksellers. I,
0: thinking, I thought leadership, but what's the subtext again? A guide.
1: a guide to leading with mind, body and soul.
0: And may may uh, I, that would be my wish for all leaders to lead with mind, body and soul. Yeah,
1: big one, big, big echo for that one.
0: Thank you very much. Vera. It's been an absolute pleasure and a privilege.
1: Thank a you. real pleasure. Thank you very much.